say also, many of us would struggle to understand the goodness of God and that He's a living, personal God without the blessing of moms. I recognize uh, also that when we talk about a subject like motherhood, uh, there can be great, wonderful feelings. There also can be hard feelings too. And that's part of the experience, I think, for, for some of us. Uh, moms maybe we miss that, ha- that are no longer alive. Uh, or maybe thinking back to, to uh, moms that maybe weren't that great. Or even thinking about your own role as a mom and wondering about it. Given all those things, those concerns, you might think, well, maybe we should just not talk about it because it can be so painful. But, but there, is, there are answers for that pain. There are answers for those struggles in God's Word. And, and also there's a call of, of moms and a call uh, to all of us to come and recognize the blessing of, of motherhood. So we don't want to ignore it. This is a very important thing. So my desire in looking at God's Word today is to serve you uh, wherever you might be to serve you and to talk about motherhood and to bring the truth of God's Word to bear in a way that all of us, I trust, will go from this place aware of God's grace, aware of the blessing and the, the challenge uh, of being a mom. This role is so important and so essential, so significant uh, in, in the life of everybody here, really in, in our culture, in a church. This role is, is so very important. Rudyard Kipling, the uh, British author and adventurer said this, and I think he's right. He says, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. It's so true. Uh, Mothers that love their children and instruct them in God's way uh, have a far greater influence than a pastor would ever have. So it's appropriate for us to, to Consider what God's Word teaches. There's lots of different passages we could look at that talk about motherhood. And, and over the years, as we go through on Mother's Day, we've visited many of these different passages. But we're going to look at Proverbs 31 today. But before we read God's Word and, and seek to hear from Him, let's pray and ask Him to bless us, ask Him to be here, ask Him to use me uh, to serve you and to be used of Him to speak to you for for our good. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are speaking, living God. You're a gracious God. Lord, you are a God who continues to speak, and your word is living and active, and, and you love to care for your sheep by speaking to them. So I ask you, Lord, would you do that today as we look at your word? Would you help me, Lord? I am weak and unable in myself to serve you well. But I thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you for the grace that comes through Christ, through his death and resurrection, and is dispensed to your church for the building up of your church. So use me, Lord, as pastor here to serve your precious people. And we pray, Lord, more than anything, as we go from this place today, we will have heard from you and learned from you, and our lives would be changed as we learn from you and walk in your grace. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Let's look at verses 10 through 31 together. It says, an excellent wife. Who can find? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. 
She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. And beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. God's Word, Proverbs 31. What a passage this is. A wonderful poem. It's actually a Hebrew poem. It's what's called an acrostic. Each line starts with a different letter of the alphabet. And the reason that that was done, it's done elsewhere, it's done in uh, Psalm 119, it was done for the sake of memorization. This was to be a section of scripture that would have been memorized and known by every uh, good believer, every good Jew in the Old Testament. They would have known this, and traditionally this, this portion of scripture was read every Sabbath evening uh, in Jewish households. It would be a fairly familiar passage, and perhaps it's familiar with you as well. It's a wonderful passage of Scripture. It might be a passage that makes you cringe a little bit, too, if you're a mom. Because as I read through that description, the standard that's set by this woman actually is pretty daunting. That's why the title of the message is Supermom. Uh, Proverbs 31 is really a picture of the supermom. Uh, and it, and it, can feel just, it can feel just challenging, and it can make you actually feel bad if you're a mom, maybe looking through that and thinking, wow, this is just impossible. Have, have, have you ever run into a mom that, as a mom, makes you feel kind of self-conscious? One of those super moms? Do you, do you know one of those super moms? They, you know, they, they gave up their job as an executive of a company to, to homeschool their 25 kids, and they do it a wonderful job homeschooling all of them. Uh, and their oldest, top three, you know, are at Harvard, Yale, and Princeton. And, and not only does, uh, does she homeschool, but she cooks gourmet meals every evening for her family. She runs a small business out of her home. She serves in her church and small group leadership. She leads the women's ministry. And she has time to reach out to those around her, reach out to the poor as well. That sort of mom, have you ever known one like that? And think, I don't want to be anywhere near that sort of mom because she only makes me feel bad. Well, that's the Proverbs 31 woman here. This is a superwoman, uh, and, and this section in Scripture, I think we need to understand that this is an ideal mom. The book of Proverbs is a book that puts two images before us, that of wisdom and that of foolishness. And, 
And it's not saying that we are all going to be the perfect picture of wisdom. We are to read the book of Proverbs and, and recognize, you know what, I look like the fool often, and I want to look like the, this person of wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs presents these two pictures, these two stark contrasts that we all will find ourselves identifying with at one point or another. And this passage of Scripture is at the end of this whole book that presents these images, and it is meant to be, really, the ultimate picture of wisdom. Isn't it interesting that God chose, really, a mom to show what wisdom looks like? The picture, to, to sum up the whole book, is of a woman, of a mom, and her living out wisdom in the context of, of home and marriage, family, community. That's, that's the context. It's, it's really interesting because we can read the Bible and we can kind of love the heroes of the Bible, the guys that are, you know, like David, who's a mighty warrior. He's out there and he's fighting for the kingdom and, and so forth. But, but this picture is not of David as a mighty warrior. It's as a mom as a mighty warrior, a mom as a great hero, a mom as a significant hero. I think this says something about God's thoughts about moms, God's thoughts about the importance of this role, and God's thoughts about how wisdom is walked out in the context of being a mom. So this is super mom, but it's meant to be compelling to us. It's meant to function in our lives. And I think there's probably three things that, that this passage is to do. And really, God's Word works this way pretty much uh, throughout the whole Bible. First off, it presents to us a picture of God's ways. It pre presents to us really a picture here of an idealized, a kind of a perfect or, or supermom picture of God's ways. And as we look at those ways, we're to be enticed by that. We're to say, that is a wonderful picture. That's a beautiful picture. So as a mom, to say, I would love to be like that Proverbs 31 woman. And, and really for every believer, we're to look and say that that, that picture of wisdom is, is appealing and I want to be wise as well. And that's good. But in that, as God's Word speaks to us in that place, it also makes us realize I don't come anywhere where near that picture. I fall far, far short of that standard. God's Word is to function in our lives to, to make us aware of our shortcomings. How both through our sin and weakness, we fall short of that standard. God's Word is to bring conviction to our lives. That conviction is not meant to leave us there, though. God's Word brings conviction so that we will run to the Lord. The Bible is full of the mercy of God. God has made provision for this falling short of His glorious ways. And His, his heart of mercy and His ways of mercy go throughout the Bible and they, and they culminate in Jesus Christ who comes and fulfills that perfect picture of wisdom in his life. He actually meets the standard. And then he does something wild. He actually lays that whole life down, lays it on the cross to pay for all those and any who would believe in him who have fallen short of God's standard. He pays for our sins. And he satisfies God's requirement for perfect living. We could never do it. It's only God the Son who has come and fulfilled that and provided for our forgiveness and provided for the satisfaction of the demands of God's Word. And there's mercy in that. So God's Word convicts us. God's Word calls us to run to Christ. And then as we find this new life in Christ, this forgiveness, this grace of God, then we have power to start living and following that standard more and more from a different perspective, not from conviction and condemnation, but from freedom and joyfully. 
So that's what I want to do today. I want to look at God's Word here in Proverbs 31. I want to look at this picture of, of wisdom and, and then run to Christ and run in His grace. So let's look at this woman. There are three aspects of her life. Uh, we can put it in three categories. There's her work, there's her words, and there, um, there is her worth. Her work, her words, and her worth. And, and there's just a wonderful picture here of her work. Her work's amazing. This woman gets up before the sun comes up. And she begins her day. It's a full day. It's a busy day. She oversees the meals for the day. She's making sure that her household is well fed. She, it says she brings her food from afar, that she goes to the market and gets the very best ingredients. She gets the, the very best ingredients she can find to feed her family and, and her household, which is, by the way, her servants as well. So the ladies, this woman has servants, okay? She doesn't do all these things on her own. She has servants. But she provides for her whole family, her whole household, the best ingredients. She provides gourmet meals. She makes sure her whole family and her servants eat first class. And, and meals are such an important part of life. And in Scripture, uh, there's a lot about eating together, uh, that we, we build relationally as we eat together. And good food, of course, is important for nutrition and, and, and health. So this, this, this idea of providing food is, is not just feeding people's stomachs, but it's bringing blessing to their lives. It's, it's providing a place where they can eat and be together. It's an important role, a very important role for moms, and, and not to be downplayed. Um, the, the, the role of providing food for the family and making sure the family is fed well and then the family comes together is hugely important. And, and I think our culture knows this. That's why things like the Food Network are so popular, right? Those, the different shows, and people want to know how to make good food, how to, how to serve good food, and, and there's loads of shows out there. Um, I haven't watched it in a while, actually. I, I used to watch it a little more in the past. I loved Alton Brown. Uh, do you guys know Alton Brown? He's kind of the scientific food guy. Anyone ever seen Alton Brown on the Food Network? Okay, good. I'm not alone here. Um, I guess he's not running his regular show anymore. Now he's kind of a host of other shows. But, but these different shows are popular for a good reason, because of the importance of food. And this woman, this Proverbs 31 woman, gets that. She gets how important the meal is, and she works hard to provide good meals for her family. She not only makes sure that they're well-fed, but she makes sure they're well-clothed as well. So we see this role in here of her clothing her family. She's actually uh, spinning cloth. And so uh, it's important, I think, ladies to understand that, that the standard for motherhood is not that you spin your own clothes. Um, so in case you're getting nervous. Uh, but in that day, they didn't have stores like we do. They didn't have cloth stores. They didn't have clothing stores. There were no coals. Uh, there were no Marshalls, TJ Maxx, or whatever other place you go to. Those places didn't exist. So if you wanted to be clothed, what did you do? You made your own clothes. You spun the cloth, and it was part of, a part of the mom's role, and actually the ladies of the household, to spin and make that cloth. Why? So that they could clothe the family. And this woman gives attention to this important role of, of clothing her family, and she doesn't just go on the cheap. She does a great job. She gets the finest materials, wool and flax. Uh, her family's dressed like royalty. They are in richly dyed scarlet and purple clothing. Those are, those are the colors that were the color of royalty. So they are wearing basically top-notch clothing in this family. That's, I think that's instructive. Uh, it's instructive, I think, for moms that the, the idea of providing clothing for your family is an important thing. And, and, and clothing, uh, fine clothing is a blessing. This woman 
is, is really, uh, her clothing actually is so popular that she's trading with the merchants with her clothing. So her stuff is, is so well done that the, the merchants who sell clothing, probably to the wealthy people, are going to her. She is a, a Liz Claiborne of her day, basically. She's, she's bringing the styles in her day. And, and that's an important aspect, again, uh, of, of a mom and of a home, providing clothing and um, providing clothing for her family. So thank God for that, too, I, by the way, um, for moms who provide for their clothing and direct their children and their husbands who need some help and don't have granimals available to match their clothes to get dressed well. I actually do okay myself, but uh, not always. I, so my wife is a good one. My son's doubting me, but, uh, but my wife helps me out with this. So she does all this. She's, she's providing food. She's providing clothing. And she's also managing the economics of the household. So she, she's handling the money, and she, she buys a field and plants a vineyard. So she's bringing blessing. The vineyards uh, are where you plant vines that bear grapes, and you make wine and juice from that. And it's a symbol of blessing in the Scriptures. A vineyard and wine is a symbol of blessing. It overall has a very positive connotation in Scripture. And so this woman is bringing great blessing to her home. She's managing the finances, uh, and she's, she's bringing blessing in this way. She works hard. She's rising early. She's staying up late. She's caring for the poor, too. So she's using her hands to work, and she's using her hands to bless others as well. And I think that picture we need when we think about moms, it's not just providing for your family food and clothing and blessing your family. That, that is your first priority, but it's also blessing others. There's an outward orientation in her motherhood. And so moms, part of being a good mom is, is finding time to, to bless those outside the family. Certainly that would be in the church, but in the community as well. I think of Tabitha in Acts 9. With Tabitha, who, who uh, the story there is that she, she actually dies, and, and everybody is crying. And I think, if I remember the story right, they're holding her, I think, her, the clothing she had made. She would make clothing for other people. She would bless others with, her, with what she made in clothing. And so this, she was very, very missed and very, very beloved. And if you read the story, she actually is raised from the dead uh, through, through Peter and the power of God. But I think of her as well as a, as a picture of this. So this woman, her works are just amazing in providing these things and doing these different things. But it's not just her works, her words as well. This is a woman who's an amazing example of godliness. It's not just what she does, but what she says. It says in verse 6, she opens her mouth with wisdom. With wisdom. The things that come out of her mouth are wise. And it says, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. So her her work, she's diligent, she works hard, but she speaks wisdom. She speaks kindness. She speaks blessing. That, that is so, so important. Proverbs talks about how a, a woman builds up her house or tears it down with her own mouth. What she says as the mom, as the woman of the house, has great effect to bless or to harm. This woman, she speaks in a way that's full of wisdom and, and, and blessing. It's a continual feast to be around her. There's no gossip or slander coming out of her mouth. No harsh judgments. No impatient patience, but, but biblical wisdom. James 3 says, the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. That's the sort of things this woman speaks of, and that's what she's like, this wisdom 
that comes out of her mouth, full of, it's pure and peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, impartial and sincere. Not like in James where it talks about the opposite of this, not, not proud or quarrelsome, jealous or selfishly ambitious. This woman is full of wisdom. I, there's lots of women in this church who are full of wisdom. I, and uh, An example also many of us think of, I, perhaps if you know her, is Elizabeth Elliot. Elizabeth Elliot is... Um, She's a godly woman. She lives in the area, actually. She's the wife of, um, of Jim Elliott, who was a missionary in the 50s. Who uh, They went to bring the gospel down, I think it was Ecuador, uh, to some Indians who hadn't heard the gospel. And Jim was in a group of men with him were killed by these Indians. And, and Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth and the other wives as well remained faithful and just gave such a godly example. She has been serving the body for years. But listen to the sort of wisdom. I would recommend her books, by the way. A woman full of wisdom. She says, and speaking about biblical femininity, this. I think we have this quote to put up. She says, to me, a lady is not frilly, flouncy, flippant, frivolous, and fluff-brained. But she is gentle. She is gracious. She is godly. And she is giving. You and I, if we are women, have the gift of femininity. Very often it is obscured just as the image of God is obscured in all of us. I would remind you that femininity is not a curse. It is not even a triviality. It is a gift, a divine gift, to be accepted with both hands and to thank God for, because remember, it was his idea. God's gifts are masculinity and femininity within the human race, and there was never meant to be any competition between them. The Russian philosopher Bergiev made this statement. The idea of women's emancipation is based upon profound enmity between the sexes, upon envy and imitation. The more womanly we are, the more manly men will be, and the more God is glorified. As I say to you women, be women. Be only women. Be real women and obedience to God. That is a wise woman whose lips are full of wisdom and kindness. And this is the picture of the Proverbs 31 woman, full of, full of wisdom and kindness with her words. And her worth is praised greatly in this, in this section of Scripture. She's extraordinary in her worth. She's called an excellent wife. Her husband is so blessed here. Her husband trusts her. It says, uh, it says, actually in the Hebrew, trust in her, in verse 11, trust in her, the heart of her husband does. It's kind of Yoda speak. But that's, that's to emphasize the fact that trust, trust in her, the, the emphasis on the trust, that, that this woman is fully trustworthy by her husband. Her, the heart of her husband trusts her. She is fully trustworthy. She does him good and not harm every day of her life. She's not oriented primarily around these other issues. She's oriented around her husband. This, this sense of her husband's blessing from her bookends this section of Scripture. So that tells us this is an important aspect of who she is. She is a blessing to her husband. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And then at the end, we have her husband praising her. So her godliness and who she is is oriented around her husband. That's such an important point. 
to get. In our culture, there's a drift away from the, the biblical roles that God calls men and women to, and particularly husbands and wives. That this woman's orientation is around her husband. She's there to be a blessing to her husband and, and to her household. But her priorities are around her husband, not her career. She has a career. She's running a business at home. She probably could have been an executive, a CEO of her own company. But because of her understanding of biblical priorities, she's put her family, she's put her husband ahead of those things. Not even her children, but her husband. Her children are not given the role, the, the primacy in this section of Scripture her husband is. Her husband bookends the definition of, of her godliness. And so she's oriented around there. Uh, around her husband. She's a blessing to, to him, and she propels him in his own life. Actually, it's interesting. If you read through this, you could think, you know, Mr. Proverbs 31 has it pretty good here. Mr. Proverbs 31 has this dynamo wife who takes care of everything. She gets up early. She stays up late. She gets everyone fed. She clothes everybody, and she runs the business. And all he does is he sits with the elders of the gate, right? The old people at the gate playing checkers every day. That's what he does. He goes there and he just sits all day at the gate with the crony, his old cronies and they people watch and they play checkers. No, that's not what it says. That's not what it means. The expression uh, at the end here where it talks about him being at the, elder, the, uh, the gates of the city um, is speaking of her husband actually sitting at the gates of the city with the elders. And the gates of the city are where the city leaders met. And so as it talks about him doing that, as... as uh, it talks about the husband sitting at the gates. It means that he has been so blessed by her support and by how she leads the home and provides in the home for him and for the whole family that he is able to be propelled in leadership. And so his, his home life and who he is, is is so affected by her that he is with the elders. He's a city leader. He's an important person in the city. That's what it's talking about. We don't know what he does for a job. Uh, it would be implied that, of course, he works a job. He's not sitting at home or not just going to play checkers. But it's saying that this man is blessed, that this woman's life propels him. That's so important and so, so prominent in Scripture, the call to, to wives and moms to orient themselves around their husbands, to make their husbands successful. And there's many women uh, in that, that role who could do those things their husbands are called to do very competently, perhaps even more competently. That's part of why our, our culture struggles with it because our culture just doesn't understand the biblical call and then looks at competency and says, well, these women are perfectly capable of doing all these things men can do. But that's not the, that's not the issue in Scripture. It's not mere capability. It's the call of God. And, and, and women are called to, to lay down perhaps ambition or, or opportunity to do some of these other things to lay their life down, to be servants, as the husband is, by the way. That's for Father's Day. We'll talk about that. But to, to lay their life down, to serve, and to make someone else successful. That's a high calling. And God has used women in this role throughout history in such an important way. I would say behind every successful man. Now, I haven't polled every successful man. But I would say behind every successful man is a woman who made him able to be successful. Either it was a mom or a wife or somebody. Uh, D.L. Moody, who was the famous evangelist of, of the, of the uh, 1800s, late 1800s, uh, there's a story about him. He was uh, running a group called the Chicago Evangelization Society, and he was running into so much trouble, he was so discouraged that he sent in his resignation. 
And his wife, Emma, said, no, don't do that. She encouraged him and got him to, to rescind his resignation and to take over that group. And that group ended up being so successful that it, it turned into later the Moody Bible Institute and has blessed generations. Why? Because Emma Moody encouraged her husband, said, don't give up. Believe God. Keep on doing what you're doing. He made, she made him successful. And I think every, I think every husband, uh, every dad could get up here and, and speak the same. I know for me, my wife has made me successful. The success I enjoy is in large part, it's God's grace, but through my wife. Um, when I got out of college, I was a young uh, man rough around the edges. Thankfully, I was married to a woman who wasn't rough around the edges. I was a young man full of myself. Uh, I think I was legalistic. I was insensitive. I was ambitious, but proudly so. Impatient. Selfish in many ways. But my marriage to my wife changed my life. And through her kindness, through her sensitivity to people, her love for God, her love for people, I was affected and I was changed. And I think if I brought in somebody who knew me in college, just kind of hadn't seen me in 25 years, and, and said, hey, I want to, you know I'm a pastor. They'd be like, yeah, yeah funny. <laughs> sure. How many people in your church? One? Um, it, 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 uh, and they would, they would be right in, in being, having that opinion because I had so much to learn. And God has used my wife. Tremendously. I could tell lots of other stories, too, uh, about how God has shaped me and encouraged me and helped me through my, my Proverbs 31 woman. So, ladies, don't ever underestimate the importance of your role and the difference you make. And I think I can speak, guys, can I speak for all of us in saying we would be in trouble without you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. This is a wonderful picture here, this Proverbs 31 woman. And, and thank God for the Proverbs 31-like women in our lives and the difference that they make. Um, it's interesting as you read through this, by the way, and, and this, uh, this section of Proverbs is to function for all of us. One of the ways that Proverbs is to function is to instruct young people. And I think, actually, this section of Scripture is to instruct young men. So, guys... You want a picture of beauty? You want a picture of a, a fantasy woman, fan, your fantasy girl? Look at Proverbs 31. Look at the picture here. This is an idealized picture. It's a perfect picture. There's no one out there who's going to meet it, but this is kind of, this, this is what beauty, biblical beauty looks like, not Hollywood's version. It's interesting. If you read here, it, it finishes. It says this in verse 30, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This section of Scripture downplays physical beauty. It doesn't say, it doesn't devalue physical beauty. Physical beauty is a good thing. It's, it's fine, but it's just not important. True beauty here is not around physical beauty. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is in. You know what our culture says? Charm is everything. Beauty is essential. A woman who fears the Lord... Is, is a relic. That's what our society says. 
That's a lie. That's a lie. And that will only cause harm to you young ladies and to you young men. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, a woman who orients her life around the Lord and realizes her need for the Lord, who clings to Christ and draws from the vine and produces Proverbs 31 type fruit, that, that is beauty. That is what to strive for. That is what to rely on the Lord for. Young men, that's the sort of woman to look for. This picture here that is so opposite our culture. This woman's work is amazing. Her words are wonderful. Her worth is very great. Let's finish up and talk about what do we do in light of this. We look at this picture. What do we do? And, and, and first, we are to run into conviction. When we look at this picture, it, it should cause conviction. Women, uh, ladies, moms, I'm sure walking through this, there was some point where you said, oh no. Matter, matter of fact, it might have been through the whole thing. Um, probably to some degree, there's a sense of, oh no, I, I, my works are not like that. I am so worn out. that The idea of staying up late and getting up early to do all this stuff, that's just crazy. I can't meet that standard. I'm not able. I fall short. I don't have the energy. I get torn to all these different directions. I don't know what to do. There, there should be, as we look at this, this sense of inadequacy, of weakness. That's not a sinful thing, by the way. God's Word gives us this standard, not, not just to convict of sin, how we violate those standards, but how we are unable to fulfill in every way those standards. It should show weakness. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to know you're weak. This passage of Scripture is given to you ladies to make you aware of your weakness so you will not be self-sufficient. Maybe that's your sin. You look at this and say, hey, I'm actually doing pretty good on the Proverbs 31 list. That's dangerous because you will fall short. Self-sufficiency, self-righteousness, dangerous things. It's to make you aware that we are weak. Then the other side of it too is you may look at this and you may think, oh no, I... I, I do more than just fall short. I do the opposite at times. My words at times are not full of wisdom and kindness. My words are, are full of complaining and bitterness or gossip. I'm not living my life to make my husband trust me fully. I'm not promoting my husband. I'm not making him successful. Matter of fact, I'm tearing him down. Let the Word of God bring conviction if that's the case. Let, let the Word speak to you and say, that's not okay. That's not the standard. That's the opposite. God calls you to something much more beautiful and glorious than that. We are to run into conviction. We are to face it fully. We're not to run from it. Part of why we don't like to hear these things is it just makes us feel bad. We want to run away. But the Word of God is to function that way, bringing conviction so that we, we feel the force and we come under that conviction and we see our inadequacy and we don't just remain there in a godless place thinking, what will I do? That's, that's not what God wants. He doesn't want hopelessness. He wants the Word to function in a way that it turns you to Him, that it turns you to God and, and you say, Lord, help me. See, motherhood is not just about your husband and your children. It's actually not even primarily about your husband and your children and your household and your community. It's primarily about your God. And it is, to meant, it is meant to, to drive you 
to God, to drive you to Christ, to say, I cannot do this. I cannot meet this standard. I will fail. I'm inadequate. I don't have the energy to do it. I don't have it in myself. To run to the Lord, to draw on Him. Say, God, you've, you've given me this desperate standard. I cannot meet it. Help me, please. He's made provision for you. He's made complete provision for you. There's no reason why you have to live in guilt. There's no reason why you have to live in self-sufficiency. He's made provision for you. He sent His Son to fulfill that standard. And He fulfilled it perfectly. There was not one ounce of failure in His life. He fulfilled that standard of loving God and loving others to the very point of actually offering himself up on that cross, dying on a cross, and bearing the wrath of God, the holy justice of God for, for any and all of his people who would trust in him. He bore that, that wrath. He bore that justice. That's how much he obeyed to that very extreme, perfect obedience, really infinite obedience, unimaginable obedience. He knew what he was facing as he thought about the night before in that garden. That's why he was in such agony. He knew the cost to his obedience. And you know what? He did it. He finished it. He obeyed perfectly. He fulfilled that standard. And he offered up his righteous life in your place to pay for your sins, to satisfy God's right requirements. And now justice and the law have been fulfilled in him. And if you turn from self righteousness and self-effort, you turn from guilt and put your trust in Christ, you are fully forgiven and you are fully counted righteous. And you are treated by God as if you were the perfect Proverbs 31 woman in every way because Christ has fulfilled all wisdom for you. And now all the blessings that are in Christ through his obedience are for you. Isn't that a wonderful exchange? He takes our sins. He gives us his inheritance, his righteousness, and all that he earned. Moms, that's how God sees you. And His pleasure with you is not so much in how well you do in relationship to Proverbs 31. That will never, ever compare to His pleasure in you that you have run to Christ. When He looks at you, He sees His righteous and worthy Son. And He accepts you and He loves you. He forgives you. And He wants to form that image of Christ in you ever patiently, ever persistently. So as we encounter this truth, this is what we are to do. We are to run to Christ. We are running to conviction, run to Christ, and now having found Christ, having found our forgiveness and righteousness in Him, now we are to run free in His wonderful ways. We are to run free in His commandments. Uh, we are to, to enjoy this wonderful opportunity to become like Christ. And if you're a mom, that looks like Proverbs 31 for your life. So don't feel it as something that condemns you. Oh, I'll never meet it. Recognize you've been forgiven. You are accepted in Christ. And now you're free to do all you can to grow and to be more and more like him and to enter into the wonderful blessing of a life that more and more is conformed to Proverbs 31. What a wonderful opportunity. What a wonderful picture this is. Is this not a compelling picture? Is it not a glorious picture of a mom? Is it not a picture that as we grow, as you, as you grow as moms, more and more in this, and as we all grow in this sort of wisdom, 
Is it not a picture that will compel others to say there's something different about that mom, about that family, about those people? And be drawn to the Lord. This is such an important role. In Titus 2, actually, uh, Paul instructs Titus about women, teaching women, and, and this, this result of what's called adorning the gospel. Adorning the gospel. It's, it's producing the good fruit that comes with the gospel that the world will look and say, there's something attractive here. I want more of this. I want more of the beauty of a, of a home that, that is resembling Proverbs 31. Carolyn Mahaney uh, from Sovereign Grace Ministries says this about this idea of adorning the gospel, uh, of women adorning the gospel. She says, can you conceive of anything that sets forth the beauty of the gospel jewel more brilliantly than the godly behavior of those who have received it? Consider the loveliness of a woman who passionately adores her husband, who tenderly cherishes her children, who creates a warm and peaceful home, who exemplifies purity, self-control, and kindness in her character, and who gladly submits to her husband's leadership for all the days God grants her life. I dare say there are few things that display the gospel jewel with greater elegance. This is true feminine appeal. If the band could come up as we close. So, in conclusion, as we look at this wonderful picture in Proverbs 31, let us be enticed and invited, moms, to to learn to walk in the wisdom of a Proverbs 31 woman. Let us all look at this picture and consider God's wisdom. Let us be drawn in. But, but as we do, we're going to be convicted. We're going to fall short. Let us remember. Let us run to Christ. Every day, Mom, you need to do it every day. The job of a mom is so challenging, so difficult. You're going to need every day to... to, to you, you will be convicted, I believe. Every day as you, as you consider the call, you will recognize how far short you fall. And so you will need to run to Christ every day. Receive that forgiveness. Receive that righteousness in Him. And then in that place of freedom, in that place of being beloved by Him and accepted in Him, run after the wonderful, honorable call of a godly mom. Thank God for moms. Thank God for you ladies, for the moms in our midst. Um, We are privileged and blessed to have you here. We actually have some flowers to give to the moms. We also have the flowers to give to everybody to give to a mom in your life. For some of us, you may not be a mom, um, but there's a mom in your life somewhere, perhaps a friend or your actual mom to bless as well. We just want to honor, honor moms for the wonderful gift they are. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for moms. We thank you for Proverbs 31 and the picture that you give us picture of motherhood and this godly picture. We pray, Lord, that you would, in and through this church, build this model more and more, all by grace, knowing we fall short, but Lord, through your life, uh, the moms here can evermore resemble Proverbs 31. Lord, may we all resemble the wisdom we see here. May it adorn the gospel. May others see and be drawn into you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.